Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. Of the Jack Eason podcast. We're continuing our discussions about loneliness, friendship, and community. And today, a special guest all the way from the cold, cold section of the country in uh, Minnesota is uh, Jared Morey. He is uh, on staff at a church pastor out there. And one of the stories that is probably going to be the concluding story in the book from myself coming out in October of 2020, The Loneliness Solution, is a story of something that you did. I'm not sure who spearheaded this idea at your church. You saw a need in the community, and you just said, you know what, we're actually going to do something about it. And you stepped out and opened up your church building to meet a need of kids in the community during winter time. Man, you, tell me tell me the scoop. Where did it come from? Uh, yeah, the story, it could have run one year ago or maybe a couple of years ago. We've uh, we get it in the paper every couple of years. We started doing it uh, four years ago, the winter of 2016. Okay. So January of 2016 is when we kicked it off. Gotcha. And and, and if I'm remembering correctly, um, you guys took your uh, Family Life Center gymnasium, started to open up for kids because of being cold outside. Uh, moms can take their kids anywhere. So you opened up the gym and let the kids just kind of go nuts. How, how did that go over with the crowd? Okay, well, yeah, Minnesotans tend to be hardy souls. We're accustomed to being in the cold and dealing with dressing appropriately, but you can get tired of it, and especially with younger children who maybe, you know, the snow is taller than they are. It's sometimes harder for them to get out and do anything in it. So uh, a lot of communities have things like indoor playgrounds. I don't think those are unique to the north. Uh, Our community doesn't have anything like that, Uh, but we do, our church had a, multi-purpose room the space that we use as a gym and we thought how great it would be if we could just open up some space uh stock it with some toys that fit kids who wouldn't be in school yet and just give them some sort of a big place to play uh, and today is a good example of the kind of weather that we get the wind chill when i walked my kids to school this morning was uh, 22 below and that's yeah so that's you know, that's the kind of weather where in 20 minutes yeah, your skin can start to necrotize. So nobody's happy about that. Nobody wants to deal with it. And at the same time, you still, especially for a kid, you need to be able to get out of the house and just not feel stuck inside. So uh, this was a great opportunity that we identified to just help people to build more of a sense of community, especially and, you know, being a parent, especially a parent of a young kid, especially if you're a stay-at-home parent, then one of the things that you really yearn for is uh, a sense of community and being able to talk to other parents, too. That's why ECFE, the early childhood and family education classes, are just so uh, so popular and so useful for making friends. Um, but not everybody has access to ECFE. Yeah. Uh, well, I was, I was just thinking, what was the response of folks in the – congregation i mean those of us listening could think okay it could be a lot of different responses but how did they respond oh the the folks in the church family were really happy uh, that the church was being used in that way uh, my wife and i were new pastors to the church uh, we'd only been there for five or six months at this point um, and it was a wonderful way they felt to be able to use the building as an asset the church has hosted a nursery school for a long time uh, 
but the nursery school is a sort of half-day program, and they certainly don't use the gym the whole time that they're in session. So we coordinated with the nursery school uh, and figured out a way to extend this invitation, and the people in the church were like, oh, you know, I have this toy that my grandchildren aren't using anymore. They've outgrown it for when they come to my house. Or, yeah, I've got this other toy that my kid's done with, and oh, can we can we purchase anything for you? Is there anything we should be on the lookout for? So there was a lot of uh, community enthusiasm, and then certainly a bunch of people from the church uh, were happy to come and take advantage of it. We had a number of families who they themselves had kids who were uh, pre-school age, uh, and it was fun for them both to come and also to sort of host their friends and uh, meet other people from the community, other parents from the community, and show them their church a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. How did you... Um... I mean, for somebody listening, what what skills do you have to have? I mean, maybe maybe for some of us listening, well, that's kind of common sense. You you are a need in the community, boom, you you re, you respond. But unfortunately, we know all too well that doesn't happen, especially and unfortunately among the church, among communities of faith. And um, that's why I really was excited about kind of finishing the book with your story because when we get out of this loneliness uh, idea and start doing some things and partnering with others and working together, awesome things start to happen. Um, what would you say to someone or some some tips, if you will, to be aware of what's happening uh, around them to meet the needs of people like you and your uh, your church uh, did there in, in Northfield? What are some ideas? Well, uh, I think being a good listener is where it's going to start and figuring out who you're paying attention to. Like It helped for my wife and I, I don't know if we'd have had this idea if we hadn't ourselves just recently finished being parents of preschool-aged kids and uh, having valued the indoor playgrounds and previous communities where we lived so much. Um, and when we started advertising it and promoting it, a lot of our initial language was around, here's a place to bring your kids to play. But it was really our children's and families ministries director, uh, her name is Kathy, at uh, who brought in the idea of, you know, this is as much as it is a place for the kids to play. This is also really a thing for parents to get to know each other. And once we added the language about making friends uh, and, you know, parents, you know, make friends with your children at this space and play with all the toys, et cetera. uh, I think that's when it really began to strike a chord. So uh, realizing that one activity can have multiple needs that it's meeting and just being uh, fully aware, you know, the same thing, like you preach a sermon and, you know, somebody's favorite part of the sermon was that told in the beginning and somebody else was really moved by uh, this line that you don't even remember having said. And maybe somebody else actually got what you thought the main point was, but five other people came away with a totally different main point than what you were going for. Um, there's a lot of free, you have to be able to will, be willing to let the spirit move and listen well to uh, everybody, uh, especially folks who have, you know, that sort of supporting spirit. And this is great, and uh, as opposed to a, this is great, but. Uh, so there's a lot of folks who are like, oh, this is great, but what do we do about insurance? So we try to do something different with this every year. Uh, and one thing we added last year was a bounce house. That uh, turns out that you can get bounce house for toddler-sized kids pretty affordably um, off of Amazon. Uh, but there were some concerns, oh, can we really do that? Because what if somebody jumps too high? And Does our insurance cover it? And 
all that. And uh, we were glad, we were lucky to have a board of trustees who were very game for continuing this ongoing experimentation. They're like, this is great, and let's make sure that it's covered, uh, which is a completely different spirit from this is great, but we're not sure if it's covered. Ah, there we go. Yeah, I, I was going to ask that question because it is moving people uh, in, in their mindset to think uh, the way that you're describing. I mean, um, you know, just the logistics, you mentioned the liability, the things that do come alongside with uh, opening up uh, your church facility in a situation like that. But but again, perspective, which I think is so critical uh, that you said, is beginning with the mindset, no, this is what we're going to do. How do we get there? Um, which is very, very good. And um, uh, again, talking to Jared uh, today and uh, a leader pastor in Northfield, Minnesota, his story is going to close out, um, be a part of the closing of The Loneliness Solution, which is coming out in fall 2020. Jared, when, um, I mean, uh, for your church, opening up this facility to the community, um, I know this was probably not the initial reason that you did it, obviously, but has there been a, has there been a payoff? Some may say, you know, have you gotten families to start coming to the, to the church because of doing this? Yeah, in a couple of ways. We have seen uh, families who've uh, come to worship. Uh, we have a Wednesday evening program, and we've seen a number of the families, uh, even ones who aren't uh, worshiping families with us on Sundays, uh, who participate in the, the Wednesday after school program as their kids age up into uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade become school age. It's also been a good way uh, for a lot of the families who sort of, uh, you know, they take their break from church between high school and whenever they start having kids to have that be their reintroduction to church and to the faith community. So, you know, they come in and they walk down a long hallway and the hallway's got uh, a little bit of gospel art and some stuff that the Sunday school kids drew and uh, just other reminders that, oh, yeah, these are the sorts of things that happen, and these are the sorts of connections that are made in a church environment. And I grew up in one, but I've left it behind for a while, and uh, now I'm remembering uh, what the value of it is. So we do, we we have a chance for people to sign in and uh, collect their email addresses, and we make sure to let them know about the other children's ministry events that we have going on. Uh, and actually, uh, one great outcome that we had, uh, this is a statistic from two years ago because I don't remember last year's, but the vacation Bible study that we that we ran that year, a full half of the uh, 80 or 90 participants that we had came from outside the church's main membership. And of those, uh, I think it was two-thirds of them to one half of them had connected to the congregation through the playtime ministry. Very cool. Very cool. I, I, I love that idea. I sure. hope other um, pastors and ministry leaders maybe that are listening uh, to this podcast today will consider stepping out and doing something uh, creative like that because there are needs in our community all around us. You saw the need. You guys stepped up and met the need. I mean, there are, there are needs for single moms. There are needs for widows. There are needs for those that are in some type of recovery. Um, there are needs uh, uh, for people who need um, child care or, or for a place for their kids to play, just like what you guys uh, did there in Northfield. So um, just encouraged by you, you stepping out. Hey, before I let you go, what are some other tips that you will give maybe for somebody who's ready to, to get going in this kind of thing? What's, what's a starting point for someone 
to, to start? Well, with? I think it's probably got to start with a sense of empathy and remembering in your own life, when have you felt loneliest? Uh, when were the times? It was, you know, it was easy for me to remember uh, when we'd had our first, uh, our first child for the first three months after his birth, uh, I was between jobs personally. Uh, so I, I had a strong internal memory of the uh, sense of isolation that can come from that experience. Um, and then especially, you know, as a dad, uh, it takes a while to warm up to a young baby anyway. It takes a while for the young baby to warm up to you, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, the, the beginning with that place of empathy and remembering uh, when you've been lonely and just thinking about, so that's a time in my life when I was feeling it. And, uh, are there people around me who are maybe going through that time of their life right now? I heard a great sermon uh, when I was still in high school from a pastor who's now a mentor of mine who talked about how uh, when you're with Jesus, every place is home. So while well, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, uh, that's partially because the Son of Man is home uh, wherever he goes. So you can also think of it as the Son of Man is everywhere to lay his head. But the application of that is that uh, wherever you are, uh, you can be hosting in that space. So, you know, when you welcome somebody into your house, you're confident, you're shaking their hand, you're seeing if they've got, if they'd like any water, if they'd like any food, can you bust out the tea or the brownies? Um, when you're with Jesus, any place is home, uh, whatever situation you enter into, just ask yourself, so if I was the host here, uh, who are the people that look like they need to be hosted? You know, if you're hosting a party, you look around for those people who don't seem like they're really connecting or connected and find ways to introduce them to the other people. Oh, you know, you both have an interest in uh, video games or, hey, you know, you're both really into politics or you both, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, so first, you've got to be able to, you know, if you know your community well enough to have a sense of that, you know, a lot of it matters on what your ministry setting is. We're in a small college town, uh, 20,000 people. Um, and of those 20,000, I think 6,000 are uh, students at the schools. So it's easy in any um, any setting you go into to recognize one or two people. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, you, you know, I was thinking, uh, you know, there are people from all over the country, probably, hopefully, that will be listening to this podcast. And, you know, whether they're in the southeast, which seems to be a little more friendly to um, things of faith, uh, although that changes uh, rapidly, it seems like, every week to week. Uh, West Coast, maybe not so much for the culture there in Northfield that you are facing, uh, what is what are things like there in in Northfield, Minnesota, um, spiritually? And Minnesota is a traditionally um, a traditionally friendly state, uh, but the thing that visitors say is that people will give you directions to anywhere but their own homes. Um, we've got uh, we have a strong culture of. Uh, what Garrison Keeler called the Norwegian bachelor farmers, uh, which often does come with a sense of like solitary uh, isolation, doing it on your own. Um, so, well, let's see. You know, I'm sure there's a statistic somewhere that would be able to help to put us in comparison with other states. In, in my particular mission field here in Northfield, 
Minnesota, the college town. Um, we do understand that loneliness is a concern. There have been a lot of workshops held around here lately specifically pertaining to uh, rural mental health uh, because of what's going on, how challenging it is to be a farmer right now and uh, dealing with the unique stressors that those people are experiencing. And the agricultural economy and folks who are in farming or connected to farming uh, represent a significant portion of our community. So certainly in that regard, uh, isolation is a challenge. And then in any community, I mean, Americans are getting older uh, as a rule. And the older you get, the harder it is to just get out and see everybody that you want to see. So uh, there's a lot of that as well. And I'm I'm not surprised about what your college dean, uh, what the, the gentleman you spoke with mentioned about students always asking about how to make friends. Uh, we've had as part of our middle school ministry for many of the last few years, uh, we've brought in just an etiquette teacher for one special class where they talk about, you know, here are common manners. Uh, here's, you know, everything from how you say hi, how you introduce yourself to when you're sitting at a table, how you work to use and all that other jazz. So it's a bunch of etiquette lessons crammed into one, but it's partially because of the sense that there's not a strong, um, there are some skills that folks used to learn in a lot of different other settings when they were more connected that they don't now. Um, I was talking a couple of years ago with some of our contrabands, and uh, they talked about all the video gaming that they do. I mean, I, th I think this is part of it, too, is like understanding what, what loneliness is and what friendship is and how they're different. So the ways that a number of our teen boys spend time together uh, is that they are each in their own basement uh, playing Fortnite or Call of Duty or something online, and they're chatting with each other uh, through their headphones as they're each in their own basement. So they're engaging in a shared experience, uh, but they're not in the same physical place with each other. And there are folks for whom that works just fine, but uh, we're also seeing a lot of research uh, that's just come out this last year that I've seen uh, that talks about how it really is being in the same physical space as somebody else, looking at their face and having them look at your face. Uh, that uh, is what's necessary to fight a feeling of isolation. Yeah, and that is a big part of it, that whole isolation, which we talk about in, in the book as well. Man, you, you have been uh, so good. Thank you for your time. I know you're busy. And uh, again, uh, honored to just share a little bit of your story, both in the podcast and in the book that you guys are doing to step out and uh, and combat loneliness, reach people, make a difference. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, that's fine. So I mean, uh, it's easy to reach me through the church's website. That's www.northfieldumc. That's Northfield United Methodist Church. Uh, so northfieldumc.org. And then there's a staff link to send an email over to, the, to any staff. And uh, yeah, right now I'd be willing to talk to you about the playtime ministry or our arts in the park or any other things that we do to try to connect the community to each other. Wow, good stuff. Jared, thank you for your time today. If you want more information about Jared, you can, of course, find links and all the details at jackeason.org. Thanks for uh, joining us for today's podcast and uh, subscribe, spread the word. 
Looking forward to getting this book out and into the hands of people and sharing more stories like this one. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your time today, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org.